such a good God. Lord, for caring about your children the way that you do, for hearing our every prayer, for meeting our every need. <clears throat> God, I woke up this morning just with the thoughts that be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you for your care for us, that whatever it is, we could present it to you, knowing that you'll take care of everything. God, what looks impossible with men is possible with God. You're so awesome. God, thank you for this time together. And Lord, may I be your vessel that you would fill and use to speak to your people whom you love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, this morning we are continuing with our study of spiritual disciplines. So far, we've seen the importance of meditation, of journaling, of giving thanks. And our passage for today is Psalm 62. And what we're going to be considering, as was already mentioned, is the art of listening. The art of listening. A number of years ago, I attended the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, or CCEF for short. And for about a year and a half, I took courses there uh, trying to get a counseling certificate. And at the, the last class that I had to take, they called it a tutorial. And I had to, somebody made an appointment with the center, and they came in for counseling. And I had to counsel them with my teacher or instructor sitting in the room with me with his paper and pen and grading me <laughs> while I was counseling someone. Now, uh, I'm a little bit embarrassed to share this, but... Uh, my first counselee started immediately laying out his problem. I mean, he was straight out with it, right up front. He said, my problem is voyeurism. He spoke of his voyeuristic thoughts, his voyeuristic actions, of being a hardcore, avid voyeurist. Now, one of the main things I learned in that year and a half and throughout all the classes I took was to be a good listener. And during that hour-long session, you would never find a better listener than me. Now, it's not because I was so interested in the topic he was talking about, but it was because I had no clue what voyeurism was. I had never heard the term before. <laughs> and so here I am, this guy's talking all about this, and so I'm listening for any clues that would give me some sort of an idea of what his problem really was. Could you imagine that? <laughs> what a situation to be in. And there's the, the teacher grading me, you know. It all worked out somehow. <laughs> but I had to be a good listener. And uh, we're all pretty good at talking, aren't we? Most of us. And it's especially as it relates in our prayer to God. We tell him what our problem is and what he needs to do to resolve it. We share with him our feelings, our thoughts. We confess to him our misdeeds. We talk, talk, talk. Yet there's another aspect of prayer that's of equal, if not of greater importance, and that's the listening part of prayer. For any relationship to be successful, there has to be good communication. Now, good communication is not me doing all the talking. Don't you think that what God has to say is pretty important? Don't you think that he has some good ideas, <laughs> some special insights to share? 
Well, we don't know what the specific background is to Psalm 62. In other Psalms, David tells us. But in this particular one, we don't know. We think it could be the time when he was running from Absalom who came and, and was taking the kingdom from David. And rather than David uh, just destroying him, David decides to leave the city of Jerusalem. And that was a very difficult time in David's life. Um, you know, there are many who sided with Absalom against David, many who David thought was his friends. Um, David was in anguish. He was hurt. He felt alone. He felt betrayed. And he was going through this tremendous struggle inside. And then I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version, but in Psalm 62, um, what we do read is that David says this in verses 3 and 4. He says, how long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you? Like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence, they have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. This is the situation he found himself in. He says in verses 9 and 10, men of low degree are only vanity and men of rank are a lie. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than breath. Do not trust in oppression and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. In other words, David is saying, life can change in a moment. And if you're putting your trust in your riches, they're not going to be there for you when you need them. If you even put your trust in other people, people who you thought were your friends, they may betray you in the end. I got a call Friday morning that my stepsister died during the night. She was only 56 years old. And I had just spoken to her that morning. And uh, it just showed me again how quickly things can change from one moment to the next. And how important it is that we understand that. You know, Eve came over the other night and was painting. And, you know, we had that conversation how, how temporal life here is. How, you know, it could just change from one moment to the next. And that's what David was experiencing. One day he's king, he's on top of the world, and then he has to flee Jerusalem like some kind of thief or robber. Well, David was going through a lot. Many were opposing him. People in front of him spoke as if they were his friends, but as soon as he turned his back, they were ready to stab him. They were lying about him. They were banding together and inciting each other to acts of violence. And he says, even murder. They want to kill me. They want to destroy me. Well, how did David handle all this? You know, what did he do? What do you do when your heart hurts? What do you do when you're in trouble? What do you do when things aren't making sense to you? Well, he writes in Psalm 62, 1 and 2, My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. And then verse 5, he repeats it. My soul, wait in silence for God only. What David does is to quiet his heart before God in order to listen. There's only one voice he wanted to hear. Only one counsel he wanted to receive. Advice from friends can be a good thing, right? It can be. Reading a self-help book may offer some assistance. Doing our best to try and figure things out 
that might give us a little better understanding of the nature of our problem and what to do. But in our times of real trouble and uncertainty, when our hearts hurt, our minds are confused, our future is uncertain, there's only one voice that we must hear. Only God can speak peace and hope and assurance into our spirits. Only God's voice can reassure us, release us from anxiety. Only his word can give us peace and rest in the depths of our being. One of the hardest things in hearing God speak is to turn down all the other sounds. There's the voice of despair that speaks so loudly. There's the words of regret that play over and over and over again. There's the condemnation of others. There's the judgment of ourselves. And let's not forget the accuser of the brethren. Well, besides these voices, there's also the voice telling us that we have to do something if anything's going to ever get better. That it's not just going to happen by itself. Get out there and do something. And on occasion, it may be true that God may be directing us that there is part that we have to play in this. But all too often, we think the answer lies within me in what I can do, and what I could figure out, what I could resolve, what I can handle. But that's not really true, is it? The answer lies in God. He's the solution to our problems. He's the one that wants to speak his truth into our hearts. A number of years ago, I was introduced to this concept of soaking. And I know some of you guys who just went away on that missions trip that you had a chance to experience some of this. Well, what I like to think of as soaking is a time to just be quiet before God and listen. Where you try to shut out all the other sounds, all the other noises. I mean, it may be helpful to put on a worship CD so that your mind can be focused on God and on God alone. And I have to say, some of my most significant times of closeness with God of receiving answers, of feeling his peace. They came not from me running here and there and everywhere in my attempts to straighten things out or do things for God, but they came as I quieted my heart before him and was still and just listened. I've received more insights, more hope, more clear direction, more confidence and strength in my times of quietness with God than what anything else could ever do for me. My soul waits in, com in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. Years ago, I had an important decision to make. I had, uh, was called to pastor a church. I was 12 years a youth pastor at the church I had grown up in. And then a, a church had a senior pastor role they wanted me to fill. And so they called me to, make, to become their pastor. And it was a small, struggling church, only about 30 people. And so I went there, and in five years, God started turning things around. There were definitely more people. There was unity in the church. We seemed to have purpose and vision, and we're moving forward. And it was an exciting time. A lot of challenges, but it was exciting too. Well, after five years, the first church, the church that I had grown up in, the pastor came to see me one day, and he told me some tragic news. Their family pastor had suddenly passed away but with a heart attack. 
and so they needed me back. And he said, we kind of gave you to this church, so now we need you to come back. And I said, well, you know, it's something that I will definitely pray about. He said, okay, but, but you know, look at this ministry here, you know. And it's a tremendous ministry. They have incredible outreach and all kinds of things going on, all kinds of programs. They actually started a school there, all kinds of good things. And the church I had was up to about 55 members now and still struggling along. And so I spent a lot of time in silence before God of just waiting on him and asking him, what do you want me to do? Yeah, I missed my, the church I grew up in. I missed all the friends. I missed you know, having all, everything all set up. Everything was new where I was at, and, and it was sometimes hard to get things going. And yet as I waited on the Lord, I felt God clearly speak to me. No, I didn't bring you here to leave. I brought you here to be used by me to help this people. And the church where you came from, they have probably 20 guys there that could teach, that could preach, that could even serve as pastor. You stay where you are. And so they scheduled a meeting for me to go to my old church. And I came in the room, and there was about 18 staff members there, all sitting in a circle around the room. And so I come in, and I take my seat in the circle. And the pastor goes to me, so what's your answer? Now, I have to tell you something. He already told everybody that I was coming back. He was so convinced that what he had to offer me was so good that how could I say no? And so I said, well, you know, first of all, I want to thank you for your confidence in me and, you know, for your willingness to allow me to, uh, you know, to, to even think that I would, would be able to come back and, and help this ministry, but I feel God placed me where I'm at and I'm supposed to stay there. He was like, what? You know? And then he went around the room. Do you think he's supposed to come back? Oh, yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah. All 18 people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, what do you say, Jill? I said, it has nothing to do with what I say. I could care less about what I think, you think, or anybody thinks. It's what God has to say. He goes, what do you hear from God? I said, well, yeah. God said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And he just said, everybody out, everybody out. And he sent everybody out and he kept me there. And then you know what he said to me? He said, all of this was going to be yours. Because he had planned on stepping down and was going to give me the full ministry. He said, but even if you told me you wanted it now, I don't know that I'd give it to you. I said, well, it has nothing to do with what you want or what I want. I need to go back and serve God where he's placed me. But I only share that with you because it was a time of real struggle. It was a time where everybody on one side was saying, this is what you should do. But God was saying something different. And I wouldn't have heard his voice if I just listened to all the other voices that were speaking so loudly. <laughs> and so it's important that we quiet ourselves before God. Remember Elijah, after he had that incredible victory, where the false prophets were put to death, and then uh, Jezebel threatens, by this time tomorrow you'll be dead. And he says, oh, I give up. And he's all depressed, and he goes out and hides in the cave. And 
You know, when God meets him where he's at, God feeds him, God gives him rest. And then we read in verses 11 through 13 of 1 Kings 19. So he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? God's voice wasn't in the earth-shattering wind, nor was it in the powerful earthquake, nor was it in the raging fire. It was in the gentle blowing. That's what captivated Elijah and caused him to stand out there and say, Okay, God is speaking. I need to listen. Now, it's true that God does sometimes speak in powerful ways, but most often it's that gentle, quiet voice spoken in our spirits that gives that reassurance to our souls. That's what I want. Is that what you want? Do you want to hear from God? Do you want him to speak into the depths of your being? You have something on your mind today? You have a decision to make? Do you have troubles that surround you, maybe like David did? Do you have concerns? Do you have burdens you're carrying? Do you need clear direction? Or you just want to praise him? He's been so good to you. We're going to have a time of soaking. One of the things Dick asked is that we can make practical what we share on. And so we're going to put on a praise music in a, in a moment. And I'd just like you to quiet your hearts before God and listen. God wants to speak with you. If you don't know him yet, he wants to tell you how much he loves you and how his son died for you. And he wants to save you. He wants you to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. If we do know him but we're struggling, God wants us to come back. Not think like, you know, we looked at the prodigal son recently. You know, how can I return? How could I ever go back after what I've done? The Lord knows all that. Think about how you feel concerning your own children or children you, you know. You love them. No matter what's happened, you still love them and you want to work things out. God says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they, though, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This is good preparation for the Lord's Supper too. Because God says we should examine ourselves. But don't spend this time just searching your soul. Okay, what's wrong with me? Take this time to listen to God. Let God speak to you. Try and focus on him. Don't think about what happened yesterday. Don't think of what you're planning to do tomorrow. Just come before him now and say, God, I need you. God, I long to hear your voice. And God will speak to us. We're going to listen to this CD, and then after a while, I'll close in prayer, and then he's going to come up and lead us in the Lord's Supper. But just realize as we're beginning this quiet time, God does want to speak to you, and he will. You know, if one of my kids came to me and said, Daddy, would you talk to me? No, get away. Daddy, I have some questions. Would you give me an answer? No, don't bother me. 
Is that how I'm going to be? <laughs> Daddy, I really want to know what you want. It's important to me that I, that I please you, Daddy. So what is it? Oh, I'm not telling you. Just try to figure it out. <laughs> you know, what father is there if his son asks for a fish, will he give him a stone? <laughs> you know, if he asks for a loaf of bread, will he give him a serpent? You know, that's not how our father is. Ask him. God, help me. You know I need it. You know where I need it. Give me, God, what I need. I need your voice. I need you to speak to me. So could you put that on for us? And let's bow our hearts and pray together and seek the Lord.